Welcome to House Common Blood, where strangers are family. Every episode may contain graphic content such as copious amounts of blood, unnecessary cursing, death of all ages, infantile to immortal, fantasy drug use, nudity, and perhaps mentions of sex, and sound effects of various qualities. We cannot stress enough that this is mature content with adult themes. You have been warned. Now I better be getting paid for this. So while uh, Cobalt and Dusty Kitty are still in the uh, uh, in the unseen public, uh, uh, Asbadai and uh, Leo, like, are literally going about business, like uh, making prepara- making preparations with their own intentions uh, for the ball and the uh, the contents there within. Um, uh, Cobalt while in the unseen public uh, uh, decides to give it exploration since it's really the first time he was ever in there. Like, uh, encounters a dragon, a large dragon egg, and manages to uh, recover his collar as well as making a promise to the creature inside of this egg to introduce them to Master. Just after that, uh, you know, like with Cobalt's exploration, uh, once Dusty Kitty leaves the unseen public uh, he uh, has an unfortunate encounter with the law and gets arrested and thrown into jail not prison jail yes and back to uh cobalt and uh jacked you guys peer back in reality and you see jack stand up or you know Hands on knees, pushes himself up and says, All right, Cobalt, I think it's about time to go. Yeah, just kind of looking about, and and uh, I guess he would have noticed that the world fading back to, to normalcy, air quote. <laughs> yep, uh, again, it's gradual. Specifically, all you have to know is clockwork, and everything seems like it's watercolored. And as it begins to fade, it's like coming down from a high. And... You blink a couple times, and it's a gradual fade back into existence where you see the sun reappear and Leviathan slowly, like, make itself more and more solid in the sky. Although I guess now, just uh, just based on how it's positioned in the sky, what type of day it is, is it? Oh, it's around uh, 7 to 8 o'clock, I would say. Yeah, just, uh, I guess, like, realizing, like, uh, Oh, that ready! Cobalt! Cobalt, get ready! Cobalt, no one be late! He nods his head and says, how about we get uh, dressed up? don't want to go to the ball looking bad and he tries to lead you to taylor so originally cobalt is confused as he's being led to this taylor <laughs> yeah and he goes uh, with the higher ups the like uh let's see and he tries to think of how to explain to you you have a clutch right uh uh-huh cobalt have clutch yes and a master yeah that's right uh imagine going in front of master do you want to look your best for master this is the exact same thing we go to the ball we look nice because these men and women may not be our masters but they have the same authority as your master would oh okay cobalt understand Mm -hmm. and you guys go to taylor and what what does uh cobalt look like coming back out like we're gonna just do like a quick end then like a scene cut then you guys walking out 
You know, I I honestly do want to imagine that uh, that cobalt has been been outfitted in like uh, uh, trying to think what would be like the best the best color uh, to to match cobalt. I just basically want to imagine him like he comes out in like a little suit, mm, with like his, a little uh, black tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, I guess like a little black tuxedo, but like you know the you know, but the, especially now that he has it back, just like uh, the collar still like standing proudly above it. You know, like basically just acting like. Uh... Yeah, it looks like a jewel. Like you'd honestly look noble like with that on. Yeah, just. Uh... Yeah. And as he's as he's just kind of like uh, walking out, like uh, say, uh, pants a little tight for around cobalt. Cobalt, no, remember the word for that, but really tight there. Christ Almighty, um, yeah, I know where you're going with this. Um, let's see. He goes, yeah, like, once in a while, I need to uh, ask the tailor to readjust my crotchal region, too. And he, like, motions towards his crotch. He goes, don't worry about it. And he looks at you and goes, holy shit, you're packing heat. (laughs) (laughs) That aside, let's keep moving on. Uh, Aside from that, yeah, just, like, Cobalt coming out, like, as a dapper little little dragon boy. (laughs) Yep. And as he's walking along, he's guiding you back to uh, Leo's respite. And he says to you, uh, Cobalt. Do you remember that promise you made? Uh, which one? Both. And he nods his head. Cobalt remember his promises? Do you know what a secret is? Does Cobalt know what secret is? And he, like, stops for a moment. He doesn't kneel down because he's now in nice clothes, but he looks down and tries to lean down and tells you, Make sure you don't tell Asmodai or Leo, or even Dust, because unlike me, a lot of them don't like dragons. They don't. You don't want to hurt Grimmer, do you? And break a promise? But no, Cobalt no one break promise. Keep a promise. You have to keep it to yourself. In fact, let it be a surprise. If you try to warm them up to dragons, I'm sure they'll like them even more. That Cobalt has a determined face. Cobalt try really hard to make them like dragon. Good. Hopefully, everyone in the harbor can like a dragon. Although Cobalt don't understand why I don't like dragon. Cobalt, Cobalt only meet nice dragon. Mm-hmm. And he just uh, goes, well, you see, a lot of the common folk who aren't dragons are scared because you guys are so powerful. You're strong, Cobalt. And so is your master, wouldn't you say? Master most powerful. Exactly. Now, if you got something super powerful, don't you think it'd be a little intimidating? Don't you, wouldn't people be scared? He thinks on that for a moment. Hmm. Cobalt think Jack Kitty right. If Cobalt, if Cobalt not child and servant of Master, and maybe even try hurt Cobalt. Like even the thought just kind of like, uh, like gives him like a little bit of dread. <laughs> uh. Cobalt would be very scared. Hmm. All right. And uh, he uh, pats you on the back and goes, you know what, Cobalt? You're a pretty nice guy, and I like you. Cobalt like Jack Kitty, too. And he leads you to Leo's respite. And uh, do we see uh, Leo and uh, uh, Asmodai, like, discussing anything as they walk in? Like, what what's happening? I mean, if it's 8 o'clock, no, I'm already... Yeah, okay, you're right. I'm, I'm already gone, uh, and probably looking for when Fallon gets back to talk to him to set up any final preparations. Because, mm-hmm. again, like, when I say around that time, the ball's going to, uh, like, start soon where they, you know, 
begin to entertain guests and, uh, you know, uh, start everything up. And again, just like the initial scene I described where, like, all nobles are coming in, that's going to be, like, uh, basically happening progressively as time goes on. Well, if I'm in charge of the guards, I have to be there early to set up all the security, so... Yeah, so I'm going to assume that we just see a montage of you ordering people, or, like, ordering the Crimson Fist around, basically, like, attending people's, uh, like, needs, you know, telling them P's and Q's and making sure that no one disrespectful comes in. Yeah, and we're also going to, um, I'm going to have them set up and make sure that all the magic items are put into two rooms, and that way they are safely secured under lock and key. One room is going to be the magic items we're taking, and the other rooms are going to be the ones that are legitimately going to be sold in the auction. Okay, um, here's what I'm going to say. It's not going to be stored in two two rooms alone. The stuff that you guys are taking, I'm going to say, is dedicated to one room, while there's like 12 to 14 different rooms that are being stored for the amount of magic items. That works even better, because then they won't know. <laughs> yep, it's basically like a needle in a haystack in a sense. So you got you got a solid plan working right now. You just gotta hope that you know the uh, the Earl doesn't look too closely at the paperwork or you know ask questions about it. Hopefully you guys can get rid of it, get it out, and just have a good time. And also, I do want to talk to Fallon when he comes back. I'm gonna say as you're doing that, we uh, like smash cut to a uh, dust being thrown in a cell in the Coliseum, and it is abnormally silent in the Coliseum as they just like usually you hear the roar of the crowd but now it's just eerily silent as you see like injured like people prisoners in each one of the cells dust going into a cell full of you know amputees basically missing arms parts of their like uh, uh, skin all sorts of things imagine the most fucked up you can get and still be alive and that's what you're in a cell with and you hear the clinking of uh, the cell as it close, uh, closes, and Fallon says, Enjoy your time, cat! And he starts walking away. I'm assuming they took all my stuff, too. Um, If you want, you can make a stealth check to see if you like uh, kept a lockpick or anything. But that's if you want to try it. Okay, he wanted to try it. Wouldn't it be sleight of hand? Oh, uh, yeah. It's just, yeah, sleight of hand. That's what I meant. How? No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah, with the seven, no. He, he, like, sees you trying to pull one over. And I think it's mainly the manacles that you're in that you have trouble, like, moving your hands around. Okay, so I'm still in manacles? Yeah. He throws you in, you're still in manacles. So, you're locked up in a cell and downcast. But you do have a window outside that you can easily see through, but it's barred up. And it's strong metal. And as you look outside... You can see the state on the hill and the trail uh, looking upward. I'm going to roll a perception check, and I didn't roll anything well enough to do anything. Are you wanting to switch off of me? We have uh, Asmodai setting up security, then we have uh, Jacked and Cobalt walking in, and we have, uh, I assume, Gus and Yvette still uh, discussing plans with you. And things kind of hush when the two walk in. Leo, what do you say? Ah, Jacked, you're here. Are you ready to go? And he goes, what's the plan? And he looks at the map uh, that's on the table and like nods his head, nods his head, then it freezes. And he looks at you and gives a smile. 
How can I help out? Uh, well, like we discussed earlier, I think we can set up some stuff. We have a um, man on the inside now that has <laughs> arranged for us to acquire certain items. And I think this should go quite smoothly. And he looks at the map again, and uh, he sees the red X's, and he's trying to piece a thing or two together, then something slowly clicks with him as he's looking at the map. And he, uh, like, sits down and uh, looks at Cobalt and says, uh, uh, Cobalt, I'm I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll meet you at the estate. Cobalt looking around like, Wait, where's Metal Man? Uh, he's managing security at the ball. I think you could find him there. The ball's going to start soon. You got to hurry. His eyes widen, looking back outside, back inside. It's like, the... Oh no, the Cobalt have go! Metal Man say Cobalt have to play... Squire! Squire word! As he, uh, as he just, like, uh, turns back around, opens up the door, and just starts running out. <laughs> yep, and we see you running out, then... We look back at Jack and Leo, and Jack looks at Leo. There. You can fool him. You can fool the rest of them. But you can't fool me. And he looks down at this map. Tell me how I can really help. And cut there as uh, Yvette grabs a few bags and points at a location. And we go to Cobalt uh, dashing. And I assume it's like, you know, over the shoulder as he's like just running up the hill, building up the sweat. And eventually, we see, like, uh, Victor, one of uh, the uh, Crimson Fists that Asmodai gave a good word for, look at you and uh, give you a nod. Then points, you see, like, I would assume Asmodai, you're doing, like, a slight patrol outside looking for a few guards that aren't on their patrol. Yes, and Fallon, because <laughs> I still need to talk to him. So, uh, shit, how do I even want to fucking swing Fallon in? Okay, let me retcon that a bit. Uh, I'm gonna say like a cobalt. Since you're going past like the Jade Hills as it is, it's near like as you're going on that trail, it is close to the Coliseum. And uh, you see Fallon uh, walking outside, and uh, he looks at you and goes, "Ah, Squire!" And he just chuckles to himself. You go into the estate. Uh, uh, yes, cobalt. You go, Metal Man. Uh yeah, and he goes, ah, then I'll walk with you. And you guys walk up to the state, go past Victor, and uh, we see Asmodai outside trying to look for a, a few of uh, uh, guards, maybe Crimson Fist that isn't on patrol outside as they should be. And Asmodai, you see uh, Fallon walking with your squire. Ah, good, you made it. Uh, Captain, a few words, short away, short away any details, as well as I have... One other thing that I need to speak to you about. Mm -hmm. And he nods as he walks along and goes, uh, let's walk and talk. And he looks around. Where, where's the patrol? One of them, I think he's taking a quick break. His replacement should have already been here. Mm -hmm. And he nods at you. All right, uh, what do we need to talk about? Uh, and then I'll just tell him uh, setting up you know here's a room in which our stuff is i've got guards on all the different items i got guards on the main entrances all that stuff i tell him the men who are most reliable uh yep and go over all the p's and q's and then at the end of that i'll be like one last thing uh, that you might 
well, that I know you are going to find interesting, and I'm going to pull out that list that Nico had and hand it over to him. I think we need to put someone extremely reliable on the Earl. And he, uh, yeah, he uh, reads through the list and goes, and nods. A few of these people are dead. Hit list, and he looks up. More like, from what I could understand, a sacrifice list. Sacrifice? To what? I don't exactly know. From what I understand, there's something going on in the Unseen Public, some sort of egg, and these wild ones were feeding them, giving these people over to the egg. I don't know. I don't do all the magic ritual things. It looks like it is a hit list, but they were being used for nefarious purposes. I talked to the Apostle David already, and he was most concerned. In fact, he was quite alarmed. Yeah, and he goes, that reminds me. Let me see the paper. And he uh, holds out his hand for your certificate that you've been baptized. Oh, yeah, I give it to him. Yeah, he reads it over and goes, hmm, seems uh, pretty legitimate. Then uh, gives it back. All right, that should keep the Earl content. And uh, he looks over the hit list and goes, well, you know who we have to bring this up to, right? Well, I was going to suggest that you tell Inquisitor Moss to guard the Earl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he nods with you. Uh, he's like, exactly, we have to tell Moss. And I assume you guys go into the ball to look for this. Basically, there's three heads of security for this. There's you, then there's a Moss, and then there's uh, Fallon. Uh, you and Fallon control the, like, uh, he controls the guards, which is a smaller force, but of more trained soldiers. While you... Part of the Crimson Fist have the majority of a security on your hands, but I would say being like part of a gang, they are not as experienced or, you know, not as trained for these kind of events as a custom should dictate. But I did grab the least unruly and the most disciplined. Yeah. I... Yeah. Again, but, you know, it's noticeable, you know, like a couple of them like rubbing the nose or doing a spit here and there. But, you know, like, they're trying to keep up appearances. Um, and again, a Moss. Now, biggest part of security for this. He is not only, you know, like, the extra support in case shit goes down, but there's rumor on the wind as you guys walk past the uh, Nobles that a few more Inquisitors are to be here. And you can guarantee that your forces, the guards... You and Fallon, if you guys were to go against this group, it would still be a hazy fight against these Inquisitors with how much time and effort is put into training them and making them the best of the best. Basically, you got your uh, blue uh, blue beret amongst the army soldiers and the thugs. But they're not here yet, and his main job is to look for anything suspicious. And you guys eventually see a moss in his white armor and red side uh like side cape that covers his uh like missing arm so he looks regular because it just looks like he's hiding it underneath the cape and he looks at you uh gaunt and i believe i said black hair or some shit and he uh looks at you guys and goes why asmodai valen may see him be with you and holds out his uh hands like in uh not an open embrace but you know like a praise the sun kind of motion same to you uh, Inquisitor, may we have a quick moment of your time? 
Of course, a new brother of the robes. And he, uh, oh, like, opens up his, uh, like, hands, gives you, like, a pat on the back and goes, I always have time for a, fall, uh, a fellow follower of Siam. And you guys, I assume, like, uh, you know, step out, go into an empty hallway for a moment. Uh, what do you guys talk, uh, you guys bring it up? Yeah, I'm gonna hand them the list and be like, we have, I have received extremely reliable intel that there might be among many individuals, but most importantly, the Earl is on this list of suspected targets from more nefarious sects of the city. All right. Uh, he looks at the list and he sees that uh, most people are like, uh, you know, aligned through the name. While him in particular is the exception. He is on this list and he sees his name with an X near it. He goes, hmm. And he goes, uh, his hit list, huh? And uh, he looks at Earl Daimo and says, that's, that's not good. And he looks at you with a, uh, you know, you can see in his eyes, he understands what he has to do. Rolls it up. Uh, do you uh, talk about anything else at the moment? Uh, again, your Lord Inquisitor, I have no authority on these matters, but if you would take my humble opinion, I think after tonight, the the Earl would do best to keep his public appearances to a minimum, as well as the Apostle, whose name was also there. So, uh, yeah, he uh, he just gives you a nod and says, I'll try my best, but I have to go guard her. And he just uh, quickly turns around. You see, like, uh, the cape, uh, you know, swish with him. And uh, he starts walking towards uh, the throne room. And uh, uh, to give you an idea of uh, what this ball looks like, there's a huge antechamber with uh, uh, an imperial staircase that leads to a uh, second, uh, you know, a second level where it's uh, open rails and a platform that edges out. And beyond that is open, uh, huge open doors towards a thro uh, throne room where there's steps going upwards to uh, Earl Diamond as she, like, uh, uh, entertains a few guests and along the way you see a food on uh, like tables of various uh, like scrumptious foods i'll lean down the cobalt cobalt you can have don't make a fool of yourself but you can have a lot of that food mm -hmm. i don't know if you've ever had anything like that yeah, to be honest i probably haven't either at least not in a long time yep and uh you, this is what the ballroom looks like, and the most notable thing is what's on the floor. Now, this initially surprised you guys the first, or like uh, the first time you guys came into the ball because it wasn't here like last time you guys were here. And people like respect it enough, even though it's a rug, to walk around it. It is the largest wolf you've ever seen in your life, skinned as a rug. Just to give you an idea of how big we're talking, let's measure it. It's about uh, 30 feet, uh, 35 feet long, skinned. You don't, uh, uh, arm span, again, that'd be another 35 feet. Yeah, it's probably the largest dire wolf you've ever seen, and it has white fur. On uh, the sides, there's a line of statues. And can uh, can both of you guys make me a history check really quick? Amazing at this. I mean, look, I'm good at a lot of the rolls that I made today. But I, I got a 12, which is not terrible for me, but still not good. Uh, Mega? Let's find out. Uh, 18. 
18. Uh, Mega, you're familiar with these statues. Um, uh, You remember reading in a book when you're on Master's Island about uh, the horrors of uh, false faces, and she actually encouraged you to read more about your enemy. And that was a book that specified about the Gashians. And each one of these uh, statues rings a uh, tough bell for you, because you remember there was a uh, story about a king that would uh, wander away from home. He was a false face. And now that you think about it, yeah, that's right. His name was similar to the name of this port. It was, uh, was Droke, when you think about it a little bit more. Uh, you know that this man went across the land and did very nice things for, you know, each kingdom. Honestly, uniting them in peace, although for a moment. But you know specifically that your master specifically didn't like, you know, false faces in general. And she actually remembers this one, tell, uh, warning you against that man and its ilk. You know uh, the man, like his cover, or at least his fake name that he commonly used was uh, Drogue Zealfried Diamond. And now that you think about it, like uh, the story unveils that once his identity was discovered, that he was killed in the name of Siam in this very port. And the statues rectify that event, where you see a man like uh, bring about peace, but without his head. The best way to describe it is, you know, arms open for an embrace, but is a head by his feet. Yeah, Cobalt kind of just like, uh, like I guess, absentmindedly staring at this, uh, at this image. Mm. It's a very peculiar man. Basically, like uh, the face is damn near featureless. It's as bland as you can get, while the body itself is extravagant. Like it, all these statues like uh, uh, signify him and his importance to founding the town, but always display him hurt, injured, executed, uh, showing that you know. Although they respect the uh, like the idea that the, he founded the city and got the city started, that he was a treasonous man. Only. Uh, keeping him up to uh, signify him, but a lot of people debate whether he really existed or not because, you know, it may be a common fairy tale, but as it goes, fairy tales are just that. Um, anyways, as you guys are looking around, um, you do see, like, a few things. You see, uh, you see a dwarf and an orc in, uh, uh, basically armor of, uh, uh pure iron that, uh, has like a bark-like texture, like it came straight from a tree. And uh, they are bullshitting with uh, 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 Yontis, basically a serpent folk that wear like uh, uh, silk headdresses and robes. While uh, in another corner, you see uh, the, uh, the strange people that came from uh, uh, the flying ship. They wear uh, straw uh, skirts with geometric uh, patterns covering up enough their naked skin to be, you know, passable in public, while they wear straw headdresses with their tan skin. And uh, the skin itself, kind of like the armor you said er uh, saw earlier, was made. it looks like there's bark fused with the tan skin as uh, they uh, talk along. They seem very young, too, like teenagers to young adults. Other than that, uh, Asmodai, the most disconcerting thing to you is you see what you assume to be a skeleton that's walking and talking to people in red robes. Well, that is quite odd. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he's bullshitting. 
with uh, a few uh, people and that they, you know, go up to him and talk to him, pay their respects. I, uh, want to look at Cobalt and go, Cobalt, just so we're clear, um, you can do what you would like, uh, keep an eye out for Dusty Kitty and I, I want to say it for in the full space. I'm not going to try it in your language. Uh, keep an eye out for them. If you see full space, let him know, or uh, let me know. I want to speak with him. Other than that, have a good time. Uh, also, if you would like, you can help out some of my friends who are down in the uh, down near the magic items uh with security they know to look out for you they know your description they won't attack you all right um as you uh finish talking about that i'm gonna say about this time leo um you enter the party with uh jacked uh both in tuxedos if uh, that's all right with you or yeah what the hell are you wearing so my tuxedo is nicer than jacked mm, absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. Specifically, he made sure that it was nicer than Jack. <laughs> yes, more flamboyant. It's like uh, Liberace versus, you know, random person. Yeah, I imagine mine's a little bit more colorful and has, uh, like, nicer trims and everything and fits me perfectly. I kind of want to imagine that the blend of colors is actually like a, a peacock, uh, you know, tail, you know what I mean? And that you might actually have like uh, maybe a feather or two for just design style alone. Yeah, exactly. So, question: Are there waiters like kind of like you see in fancy yep. parties? Yep. Walking around with drinks and things. All right, I'm gonna wait for one to walk by me with a tray, and I'm gonna grab two of the drinks and walk over to walk over to Leo. Yep, you do. All right. Like, Ah, uh, Mr. Longpaw, it is good to see you. Uh, would you mind sharing a drink with me? As I hand him a glass of whatever this is, champagne, I'm just going to imagine. Thank you, my friend. I noticed that security is top-notch tonight. Well, most indeed, and as I kind of motion walk and talk, and I'm going to just keep a conversational tone somewhat hushed, like we're just chatting it up and I'm going to say yeah security is on the highest scrutiny and order of the evening it you know in case anyone were to try anything suspicious or try and you know interfere with tonight's proceedings in any way they will be dealt with very swiftly regardless of who they are and I give them a smile Yep, as you say, a problem is dealt with uh, swiftly. You uh, hear an argument erupt between two of the nobles. You see, again, the dwarf with a uh, bark-like armor arguing with uh, a sea elf. Basically, pale skin, webbed fingers, and you hear the dwarf go, I, the giants, are supposed to win. They are natives to this land, and they deserve what they get. And, like, uh, you see the elf go, Ah, but, uh, the giants are but primitive folk. You truly believe that they deserve to live? Let them all rot. It's a, a, a species that's meant to be extinct. And then you see the dwarf slam down his iron boot and just go, You are supposed to be extinct. 
and he basically just gives him a look. You see, basically, if this was an anime, there'd be sparks between them as they uh, begin to like uh, get a little bit more hostile over the idea of giants. This is this is inside the party itself. That's Fallon's problem to deal with. Yeah, just gonna say like uh, again. I'm just saying like it's gonna be an issue that might boil. It's not my responsibility. Fallon handles the actual party itself. I'm doing security, so if he wants to deal with it, or if the Inquisitor's forces want to deal with it, that's up to them. Okay, so you walk right by. What else do you guys talk about? And I just continue walking with Leo. I just want to make sure that I'm crystal clear on that. Sounds perfect. I don't want anything to harm our our, um, agreement. Mm -hmm. Oh, most assuredly. As I said, uh, your chances at the auction are going to be quite great and they are secured. In fact, you don't even really need to bid on anything. And I just, I say that last part very hushed and I smile, you know, taking another sip of my drink, uh, not exactly enjoying the taste. Uh, and says, just in case, I want to just make sure, just in case anyone was planning any funny business. And I look him squarely in the eyes and give him, give Leo a very cold smile. Mm. Yes, I believe I should still at least bid on something. It might look suspicious otherwise. Well, you should bid on something if you're going to be in the auction. I say that a little louder and just clap him on the shoulder and laugh. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the point we're all here for. And if you'd excuse me, Mr. Longpaw, I have other things to attend to. And then I will make my way off in the crowd and begin mingling. Yeah. On that cue, uh, Leo, you do see a familiar face. A snake head. Can you make a a, uh, basically a, a wisdom save? Oh yeah, there's Yon T everywhere in this party. Yep. Uh, eleven or higher, please. Twelve. Okay, you overcome it, but it, it's like your heart beats a little faster as you see like a, a familiar face. I imagine uh, I keep my like, composure and do like a half smile. And he goes, "My friend, it's so nice to see you." Ah, come, come, come. And he uh, brings you over and uh, gives you a very special liquor. And he goes, this is the finest that the Delius Dynasty has. Oh, please, have a sip, have a sip. Thubarin liquor is the best liquor. I take a small sip. Okay, well, the best way to describe it, it's like uh, someone, like, crushed up a flower, added a bit of cinnamon and spice to it, and made it somehow dry. Very good, my friend. Tell me, what are you thinking of bidding on tonight? And he goes, well, isn't it obvious? I'm gonna bet on the Gashayan artifacts. And he begins to laugh with you. I didn't take you as one that believed in fairy tales. I don't believe in fairy tales, but come on. The clockwork figures, beautiful. And he uh, pulls out the catalog really quick. And it does have pictures of what's going on like for bidding tonight that wasn't mentioned with uh, you and David. Uh, you look at it, and you basically see like a clockwork uh, 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 fey fly, which looks like a uh, it looks like a uh, torch bug or a firefly, but made uh, mechanical. Then you see a beetle that's mechanical, and you see a bee that's mechanical, and they're all made of clockwork. And he goes, "These artifacts, if they are, could unveil something very interesting. 
lot of people don't believe in the Kishayans, myself included, but again, with the world we live in, how can we put anything in denial? How can we deny anything that doesn't exist? If there's magic, if there's dragons, who's to say a lost civilization doesn't exist? That's great, my friend. You know, I actually have an artifact you might be interested in. And he I... stops. Yeah, and it looks at you. I hold up one of my bags. I'm like, this is a very secret one. You can't have it out, but you should keep it with the other winnings when you get them. Hmm. And uh, he raises an eyebrow and goes and smiles. Can you make a persuasion with an advantage for me? We get. Uh, I got 20, 23. Yeah, you got 23. And uh, the main reason I'm having you roll with advantage is because you made friends with this person before this event. This is uh, one of the people that you spoke to in the lion's den. And he looks at, it's a pouch, like a, what would you call it? Yeah, like a, a pouch, like the same size of it, uh, the hand. And he gives you a smile and says, I'll look into it after uh, this event is over. But if it's something worth my while, we could do some real business together. Yeah, remember, this is just a taste. If you want more, you come to me. I have an in on some of these artifacts. And he nods and said, but keep it right next to your other artifacts because you don't want to lose this one. Mm -hmm. And he nods his head and goes, of course, of course, Mr. Longpaw. It was it was great talking to you and gives you like a uh, tap on the shoulder, you know, pat and then begins to walk away. Um, So uh, moving on, what we uh, see in the party itself, because again, I spent time setting this shit up. So I'm going to tell you guys, you see uh, the the straw dressed uh, people, with tan and bark skin uh, talking around. You see... Uh, Earl Diamond finally walking down with a moss by her side as she entertains a guest or two. You see that uh, the squabble between the dwarf and the sea elf has uh, finally, you know, or like uh, simmered down. And uh, you see the Goliath giving you a smile as he begins to uh, drink. Other than that, you see Skelton like going up to uh, uh, the Earl and basically uh, uh, talking to her. I uh, go up to them and I'm like, I don't believe we've been introduced. Uh, which one? Sorry. The skeleton guy and the... And he goes, uh, No need for introductions. I am Oroncelli. A pleasure to meet you, I'm sure. And he uh, holds out his skele uh, skeletal hand. I grasp it. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You uh, shake his skeletal hand and it wraps around you and he goes, My, 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 my. I haven't seen one of your kind in a while. And he, uh, like, motions you to follow along with him. And he goes, My, uh, I am a necrotic chronicler. Uh, have you heard of me? I don't believe I've had the pleasure. And he goes, I have a very interesting uh, position in society. Are you familiar with how we write history? Please enlighten me. Well, for example, uh, he says to you, uh, History is written by the winners. And with that, there comes bias. And with bias, we have a muddled lies that people grow up to believe. I am employed by the government, absolved from uh, crimes against necromancy, and so is my guild, to uncover truths about society. I write the true history. I question spirits. Although none, none of them have an uh, intact mind, and he hits his uh, cranium a bit. And uh, he goes, but when you piece together enough stories together, you tend to get the full tale. Hmm. Interesting. So what brings you to an event like this? 
So uh, as we're looking around, I want to imagine this as a cinematic. As we uh, see the scene unfold, and again, it's like a side profile of both uh, Orange Shelly, the skeleton, and Leo, the Leonin. And we see like a guard look uh, surveying like uh, the entire area. And uh, he gets another guard to whisper in his ears. He nods and stares directly at Leo as they're walking by. And if we look from his vision, we see like Orancelli and uh, Leo like disappearing behind the crowd once in a while and then reappearing as he's staring very closely. And Leo, you are talking Orancelli. You guys continue to uh, talk and talk. And eventually you see his eyes flicker at you as uh, something just happens. And he doesn't say anything. He just keeps the conversation going as you guys talk. Um the guard like keeping an eye on you guys and he goes uh, with my position as we uh, create a more clear picture of events as they unfold it is my job to provide that information for Giuliano and its kingdom although they may withhold documents for a while but under our agreement it eventually sees the light of day just so just it happens when it's no longer a risk to the security of the kingdom so essentially, it's kind of like a FBI documents that he writes, so that uh, like the kingdom has a clear picture on stuff. Now, yeah, a as they're walking by, he goes. But I do have an interesting fascination with one thing in particular, and you guys like stop in front of a statue, Drogue Diamond. Isn't he an interesting character? Mm. You two are into the Gashans. Mm -hmm. And he nods his head to you. And he says, well, I've done my fair bit of research. Do you want to know what his real name was? Tell me. Mutua. He was part of the Mutua dynasty. Now, it's fairy tale. Get me wrong. And he, like, puts out his hands. But you see, like, one of, like, the lights inside of his head. He has two, like, uh, uh, motes of light in his head, and they're red. One blinks out, kind of like he's, you know, winking. And he goes, now it's just fairy tale. But that family was very important to the guidance of that government. In fact, did you know that they had their own throne? What kind of revelation would that bring? Knowing that there was not just seven thrones, that there was eight thrones that could dictate the laws of man. Imagine the ripples. And he, he, he you can't tell if he's smiling, but you see that he's getting enthusiastic about the topic. Yes, that would certainly shake things up. Yeah. The interesting thing about him is that, and he, like, uh, he puts, you know, his thumb and, like, uh, index bone finger and cups the his sharp chin and says, well, The interesting thing is that he had a, a lot of kin. You can see that he's the father of the Gishayans. And he looks at him. A lot of his spawn walk around. Now it just die. To understand what made that civilization work and just to look at that empty throne and he looks back at you and goes ah, sorry i bore you i bore you what brings uh, mr longpaw to events such as this i've heard a lot about you in fact the dead speak about you a lot well i'm sure you've heard of my family's business so it's always good to keep an eye out for no i haven't and he just stares at you hmm but you said you've heard so much of me. From the dead. Well then, you know that I'm a man who likes to get what he wants. 
and I have my eye on a few artifacts today. Very poorly. And he looks at the statue again and says, You want to know the reason you weren't arrested? Tell me. Because of me. Because I happen to be coming through town. Because I happened to stumble upon a massacre of guard soldiers. Do you know that Fallon's first instinct was to find the men that was in those barracks that night and just execute them? Did you know that? I'm not aware of such barracks. Mm-hmm. And he nods. Of course. Of course not. I wonder why. And again, you do remember that uh, there were a few soldiers that left that night that did survive. But not any of the young soldiers. You remember the one that you're bullshitting with on the table? That flashes in your mind really quick. He did survive. And he goes, Talk all you want with that silver tongue of yours. But the dead do tell the truth. They've seen the entire thing unfold. They saw whatever the hell that centaur-looking thing was. They've seen the bats. They've seen the frog. The soul gutter is what they call it around here. I gave a true tale of the events and how they unfolded. Except for... One tiny detail. He looks back at you. I didn't know a man of your standing indulged in drugs. Have you seen the men in standing in the city? Yeah, and he looks around and again, it's hidden a lot better, but you see like a, a smidge of purple on some of their lips, maybe on their fingertips that they're hiding. And he goes, yes, I see the rot going through this town. And let's not call it an indulgence. More of a situational necessity and he nods his head do you feel it and he looks outside do you feel the oncoming storm i've been preparing for this storm for a while no and he shakes his head you're creating one and he looks down and like again from your position like i told you before the estate is one of the highest points in this uh, uh port and you look down and you can see like uh uh again the lower suburbs of the blighted slum starting a flood and he goes you see that that flood that's no ordinary flood tell me are you familiar with sentient calamities please tell me more and he knocks on the window slightly not a lot of people are familiar with it they tend to ignore ignore it and treat it like it's a myth how horrifying would it be if say a storm actually thought if a volcano actually sprouted where it wanted to to cause as much a mayhem as it can how terrifying would it be if lightning struck at the same spot 20 times over just so it could kill as many people as it could? That is a sentient calamity. A storm that thinks. You see that down there? That flood? Look closely. And do me a perception check, please. Eight. Eight? You don't see it. And he shakes his head. You don't even see the mess you're creating, do you? War is the greatest propagator of a sentient calamity. A bad ruler can make and spawn these things. The disconsent of enough people, if enough bad will is in one place, can summon one for a clean slate. When people have had enough of being pushed down, enslaved, they call for a new start. They want revenge. When you have enough malicious emotions by enough people and he looks down at the flooding. The world answers the wish. Now, throw in a few dead bodies. And through his eyes, you see a legitimate ghost town. Like you see spirits all moaning 
throughout the streets. Now add a few spirits to that. The only thing that keeps them stuck to this damnable port is simply revenge, unfinished business, evil emotions. You quicken the process. Keep that in mind. Yeah, this calamity was coming long before I got here. I'm just here to mitigate it. He looks at you. You keep lying to me. You're not here to mitigate it. Think I didn't see what you did? What you are going to do is you're going to bring that storm, that calamity, that crawling chaos, and much more people are going to be hurt than who you tend to hurt. But in the end, we'll all be better off. In the end, it's your simple bullshit. Ends justify the means. And he shakes his head. You're making a cancer, and all you're doing is infecting it even more. He looks at you. You, you feel disgust behind that emotionless, or like a, that featureless face. And he goes, we're done. And he starts to walk outside and walk away as a like, light storm starts to drench his clothes. Maybe you should have another drink and lighten up before you head home. And he looks at you. I bet you'd like that, wouldn't you? Drinks don't do much for me. And he just puts up a hand to motion, you know goodbye and he begins to walk away have fun leo see the mess you make i always do okay um we haven't focused on dust in a while dust are like you can try to escape this entire time or you can be uh, uh staying in the cell well i know i gotta meet up with the crew so i'm gonna be looking for ways to escape perhaps okay. i could talk to some of the mm, disabled here yeah they uh look at you and goes what are you in for? Well, kind of got caught with something I shouldn't have. You know, it happens. Numb tongue. And you look at another one. Yeah, numb tongue. And you actually see uh, the guy that you broke the ankles of, you know, uh, with the uh, Ray Frost. When you uh, cast down your uh, copper to uh, basically fuck up his ankles. Yeah, it looks like, it looks like numb tongue. And you see uh, the two boys that fake Fallon, Cotton, Alley. Definitely numb tongue. A lot of familiar faces. Well, that's what you guys think, but okay, we'll go with that. Fine. I, what did he do? Well, there's a new drug on the streets called Drake Belly. Drake Belly. Then you hear a few of them whispering to each other. I'm sure you guys might know, um, at least one of you might know of a man named Nickel. <laughs> uh, uh, they just all stay silent for a moment, and one of them goes, yeah, more familiar. Well... Now he hangs, and they caught me near his body with the Drake belly, so they thought I should go to prison. And they all look at each other and go, it, yeah. <laughs> and they just start nodding to each other, well, yeah, that's a good reason end up here. Uh, basically, as you keep talking along to them, you figure out, like, a lot of them are just put in here hastily, and a lot of times under, like, false pretenses. Uh, it seems like they're trying to arrest as many people as possible and have them, um, like, fight in Coliseum. Oh, well, it seems that some of you guys probably shouldn't be here, just like me. Do you have any ideas on how we may escape? If we did, we'd be out. Yeah. Like, uh, legitimately, uh, you don't have a lot to work with here. You, uh, you're manacled. You, uh, you're barred in a cell. And the only things around the cell, I would say, is, like, rock here and there. And, uh, you know, like, uh, 
uh, a wood planks acting as benches, you know, like it has like a chain against the wall that goes into wood planks for uh, people to sit in, you know what I mean? Then I'm going to take my manacles and start banging on the uh, bars to ask, um, asking for a guard. And you come to a revelation that you were left here alone. It happens when, you know, guards are understaffed and there's a big event happening. But uh, yeah, foolishly enough, there's not even a warden here. It looks like they're that desperate for additional security. Foolish though. Well guys, it seems there's no guards here. Perhaps if we all, you know, put our forces together, we might be able to bend some of these bars to get out. Also, are the manacles, are the, is there a chain between them? Or is it like just like straight up hand to hand? Uh, you, uh, there's like a chain in between them. So you have uh, enough like uh, wiggle room. What I'm going to suggest to the group, because are they also all in manacles? Yep. Well, we have two options here. We can either rub our change, chains all across one bar in hopes of, you know, the friction causing it to wear down and hopefully breaking so one of us can slide through. Or we can try to combine our strength and break some of these bars so we can bust free. And I'm talking to everyone in there. Okay. Uh, like generalize the plan one more time for me. So you want to uh, what? We could either take the chains from our manacles and rub them as fast as we can against the bars to try to wear them down, and then pull, um, try to like essentially like as they're warmed up, bend them. Okay. Um. I, okay. It's gonna take a while to make that work. I'm gonna say at least an hour with what you're trying to do. Uh, persuasion, what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to try to persuade them to help. If they help you, you can get advantage on your strength roll to break out. How's that sound? That sounds good, but I think the advantage should come in on um, the persuasion since there's no guards and they have um, really no other option to break free and I'm sure they want to get out of here. I'll allow it. Tell me a number. 15. Alright, 15 is enough to convince them. And uh, you like, uh, uh, the way I imagine this is you got them all huddled up in here basically tell them all right this is how we're gonna do it we're gonna get out and it's gonna be good and you basically start doing uh the best way i can describe it is kind of like uh, how you'd imagine with the old-fashioned saw like you'd have two people on each side trying to uh you know go against the tree same thing with the the chain you're basically got like uh, two guys helping you out like wiggling around the chain to make it hot and i'm gonna say it's gonna take about an hour to make this attempt even feasible so what we're gonna do is advantage on strength roll not 20. Wow. After about an hour, it snaps. Um, I'm going to move away from you for a second, then we're probably going to finish up with you as you try to escape the cell. Since uh, it took so long to do that. Um, we'll move to the manor and... Uh, Cobalt, what are you doing? So, well, uh, Cobalt, as I guess, like, uh, Asmodai and Leo are having their own conversations uh cobalt is just wandering from table to table trying the i think we could say multitude of foods that he has never seen let alone tasted before <laughs> also just like keeping an eye out for uh if slash when dusty kitty shows up yep uh dusty kitty still hasn't shown up uh if you want to uh, talk to any of the guests there's plenty of people around so uh, you do see uh, the people in the straw skirt, like one of them comes up to you, and the guy looks like a teenager. And uh, he l looks at you, Cobalt, and goes, hmm, I haven't seen a creature like you before. And basically, you know, 
taps you on the head and cocks his head a bit and goes, You're very interesting. What are you? Uh, couple, couple. Hmm. And he, like, kind of repeats in your kind of tone, though. He says, uh, Dolan is Dolan. Nods his head. I am part of Inca. Then holds out a hand for you. Uh, he he pulls out his little hand, like, yeah. mimicking. Uh, it's just like, uh, What's up? What Inca? Mm. Name a brother and father and mother. Hmm. confused. You have... Yeah, you have clutch. Uh, yes, Cobalt have clutch. Mm. Who, who leader? Master. What name? Master Bitandas. What your name? Cobalt. Mm. And he nods his head, and he uh, says to you, "Father and mother, they have name. Inca, you have master. Bitandas, you, Cobalt Bitandas. Me, Dolan, Inca." It's like, oh, that what mean? Okay, Cobalt think Cobalt understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, just uh, uh, looks at you and just goes, You fly? Uh, no, Cobalt, no, no, how fly? Mm. And he uh, goes to window and points to Doc and says, Boat fly. Actually, did, did Cobalt see the, the flying boat on his way? Or is like, was this news to him? <laughs> we can say, like, as you're uh, running along, it was around time he uh, came in. Because I want to, like, put out there that intro sequence just happens sporadically, like, throughout this entire session while you guys are doing shit. Okay. That's uh, like... Uh, oh, Cobalt C. Cobalt really surprised. And he tells you, I come from Domenha. So, Dolan Inca come here from there on boat that fly. Mm-hmm. And he gives you a nod, says, I live on planet. I am Star Sailor. And he uh, looks around and says, Others call me a Cosme, Cosmama. And he thinks about it. Cosmonaut. New word for Cobalt. New word for me, too. Still don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and he just uh, tells you, like, uh, he, he motions for you to sit down. And he sits down with you. And he says, I don't like party. Brother said I had to come. Oh, like people seem happy cobalt and he shakes head no look and he uh motions like at different people who are like visibly like hate each other he points at the sea elf and the dwarf that are still locking eyes you see like a few people like having a heated discussion and goes many people hate here some people in wars here they stay civil and gives you a nod and he goes where i come from we used to have matriarch and he nods. Uh, I still have trouble with word, but women. Women strong. Women lead. But ancestors, they overthrow. And we have new, and he thinks about it, sane idea. Young strong. Young smart. Old foolish. Old weak. Mm, he nods. Young rule. Then we found ore. We had darkness. It fought darkness. It not really darkness, and he thinks about it. It causes ship to fly, and looks out. It it fights gra gravy. Gravy? And he thinks about it. Gravity! And he nods his head. We had darkness, and it had a lot of gravi gra gravy. Gravity! And he keeps swishing between words. That's how we meet your kind. Well, 
not you kind. And he motions to everyone else. That's how we meet other kinds. Hmm. This place, city, people, all very new. Cobalt, too. Mm-hmm. I like to stay with tribe. Tribe strong. But, and he looks at the dwarf. Me no like giants too well, but giants are strong. And he looks at the elf. They are not old and do not deserve to be. What was word? Extinct? Me no know what word means. And shakes his head. Extinct. Cobalt trying to think. Oh, Cobalt, remember this one. Master say all time. I'll kill false face until extinct. Gone. And uh, he tells you, mm, gone. And he thinks about it. No, giants no gone. And he says, false face? What false face? The like, uh, like... false face creature that look and say one thing, but different. Mm-hmm. And he goes, mm, entire party false face. Like Nod's head. You? You not false face. Like, uh, yeah, he he kind of like uh, points a finger over to uh, to Leo. False face. And just stares at Leo. Mm, noted. <laughs> and he looks at statue. You recognize funny man. The cobalt read about. Me see about. And he like uh, thinks about it for a moment. That first man that came to Domenha. And he, like, nods his head. Domenha have own privacy. And he says to you, But when man come, travelers also come. Soon, it went from village and giants to many people coming, trying to take ore we don't like. And shakes his head. Now, we live in split. Then he, like, chops down his hand and, like, puts, like, two hands on each side. Like, uh, you know, a... Uh, what would you say? Like, spaced out, but parallel. And he uh, goes, uh, we have two walls. Go up, down. And he, like, puts his hands together to, like, show like he's holding a ball. And he says, but we live on Domenha. Small, but big. They call plant? And thinks about it. The planet. Now, darkness has two ends. And he shows the walls again. And wiggles his right darkness on right then wiggles his left darkness on left boat is only way to travel from one wall to another travelers want to use it for trade yes trade but much blood is is built for boat and looks out sometimes i wish i had no boat or village is just happy learning with giants i do a history check for me like i i forgot to mention that yeah do a history check you got a 15. Yeah. You've read that this region is called Bracken. It's a fractured region where, like, it goes down, assumingly, to, like, an endless state where it possibly goes to the core of the Earth. It's like a giant split between the lands with, like, a planet in between them and a constant waterfall that goes over the edges and clouds that go through it. It's basically like if you were to go in this region, everything lives on the wall on each wall. And you know from like a basic standpoint that three kingdoms fight. That'd be Demenha, like a, the people, the man you're talking to. And two mysterious kingdoms that you don't recognize. All you know that's important is Demenha, Demenha has a throne. And that's all that matters in that region. Um, now what were you gonna say? Cobalt thing, Cobalt 
understand. And nods. He doesn't understand. <laughs> but now, Cobalt also start miss home. I miss home too. Very far from home. But, and he thinks about it for a second. If I don't leave home, I wouldn't meet you. Dolan must think about this. And he looks at you. Friend? The Cobalt nods. The Dolan friend. Dolan, yep. And he says to you, I think worth leaving home now, don't you? Cobalt think on it, but Cobalt think Dolan friend make point. Mm-hmm. And he goes, we have tradition. I give gift, you give gift back. So we remember. And he hands you a rock. Do you take the rock? Yeah, Cobalt uh, takes, the, takes the rock and uh, let's see be something that uh well as you're thinking about that i'm going to explain as you uh grab it uh you leave it out and open which is a mistake uh you leave it open and it floats off your hand and you can feel like your hands uh what would be the best way to put it you ever try uh put two opposing magnets together positive against positive negative against negative and it like fights to go with it that's what you're getting and it tries to float away from your hand as much as it can. And as you cover it up, or like grab it from the top and bring it down to your hands, you notice that it loses its property. And it just turn- begins to be a normal rock. And he goes, That ore, keep safe, keep hidden, and it won't fly. But if need be, you fly, then show. And he looks at Boat. You see wings? We fly because wings show. We land because wings come back. Understand? Yeah, just like uh, yeah, I I would imagine just like uh, like base arcanic knowledge, just like uh, Cobalt, Cobalt understand. Uh, uh puts the uh, he puts the the rock uh, into his bag, and I guess uh, sure enough, it uh, like once it hides, it uh, it stays inert, and then uh, you know, yeah, like yeah, Cobalt will pull out one of his torches and hold it out to Dolan. This cobalt tree called promise stick. Cobalt make promise to Dolan and cobalt keep it. Mm, I like promise stick and he takes it. I like promise stick. What promise? Mm. Uh, cobalt like uh, thinks on it for a moment. Cobalt one day visit Dolan friend at home. Here, cobalt, I tell you. You come to land, you see Big Brother, he chief. Remember this, Dolan hate, leave, home. Dolan love, brother, tell him, fuck his wife. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, me don't like his wife. Uh, why Dolan friend not like brother wife? Also, wife? Dolan must go. I take stick, and he takes it. You come see me. Then he explain why wife is bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives you a nod. I have job to do. Cobalt, and he looks at you. You are nice. You are a friend. Friend of Dil- Dolan. The Cobalt nod. Cobalt, very nice to meet Dolan. Uh, let's go to Asmodai. Asmodai, uh, paint the scene a bit. Uh, Alright, so... Asmodai, after he leaves Leo, he goes and talks to one one of his guys and one of uh, Fallon's guards. Uh, and then he drops his glass of champagne off to a waiter 
and he just begins making his way through the room, mingling, introducing himself to the various nobles, trying to make contacts, doing his best to remember all the names. And then uh, specifically, he's making his way over towards that one dwarf who was causing a commotion earlier. Yep. Uh, you see the dwarf, like, biting his lip and goes, Damn elves. They never understand. They never understand. The giants are the rightful owners. And he just looks down at his tankard and fucking downs it. And looks like you and goes, Hi. What do you want, lad? I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Ismodai. I have, uh, you are one of the more interesting individu individuals that I have seen in this party all night. And he holds out a hand and goes, uh, My name's Golmerid. I'm uh, Golmerid uh, Ligsha. And he shakes out his hand. You ever heard of the ironwork? Have I ever heard of the ironwork? Honestly, I'm not going to say it's too foreign knowledge. I mean, it's close by. Um, it's basically the border between Adontis and Juliriano, the two regions, and it has a unique overlap between their laws, where uh, a special property happens in that region, kind of like a, not exactly a paradox, but a weird uh, anomaly, where ores, like copper, uh, copper, iron, and various other metals grow as trees. The ironwork forest is a forest of metallic trees. Mm, oh, no, no. Uh, that would explain why your armor has such a, a plant-like look to it. Mm -hmm. And he nods his head and goes, I, me and my sister have come here. And you see uh, an orc, like as she's drinking, uh, drinking along twice as much as he is. Her name's Tulip. Tulip! And she just gives a nod, looks over, sees Asmodai, and he goes, Oh, this is uh, Asmodai. And she gives you a wink, then goes back to drinking. So what is it that, I mean, beyond the obvious answer of why you were here, what what uh, brings you here besides the auction? Well, uh, to be perfectly frank, uh, trade, and not just trade alone. We have a lot of valuables in uh, the ironwork forest. Uh, in Ligsha, are you familiar with the capital? The fallen tree. We basically live inside of a metallic tree falling over and all that and uh, he just hand waves it just saying but we want to uh, help out our comrades you see uh, Golvin's post or Golvin's outlook uh, there's a war being fought between dwarves and, and he looks at the sea elves elven kind you see uh, you he just thinks about it for a second not to bore you with all the details but they're uh, neighbors, uh, the elven kind, not the sea elves, but don't like them too much either. The men, the elves, the... And she, he looks at his sister. And the wood orcs are fighting to uh, keep their land from the rightful owners. Us dwarves in Adontis. And uh, he looks at you. And he just spilled a lot of information. And he's just like, don't bore yourself with all the political nonsense. Just know that... We don't like elves too much. I believe your previous conversation made that extremely apparent. That one is uh, more of controversy. You see, uh, Juliano was having their own little scuffle with the giants themselves. And, you know, you know the giants. They lack many friends, but the dwarves, they're, we're an ally. Though, it treats us like a neutral force, since we don't have our own throne. 
our kingdom. Forgive the pun, but yes, very much like elves to spit on the little guy. And he laughs with you. Uh, yeah, but one day, Adontis will be ours. And when that day comes, Juliana will have a powerful friend. Well, I just figured I would introduce myself. I have to uh, be honest. I am a, a disciple of metalworking myself, and I have always admired dwarven craftsmanship. And he looks at you, and he pulls you close and says, uh, Do you worship uh, Barzell, Hephaestus, maybe, uh, looks around, Vulcan? I won't... You hit the nail on the head on the third one, and I'm whispering very quietly as well. Uh, but that is very much not public knowledge. And he goes, your secret is safe with me, lad. And he goes, well, if you ever come by Ligsha, you'll always be welcome. We uh, worship all three of them. They're prominent gods and teach us core tenets with uh, taking back what, what is ours. Conquest for conquest, as they say. Mm. It looks like I missed my calling of being born a dwarf. Aye, lad. And you miss being born in Ligsha. That's where the best iron workers are. If you want the best craftsmanship, you either find at Golvin's Outlook or, and he gives himself a firm nod, Ligsha. Okay, um, so as you guys are chatting around, um, uh, John, uh, what else are you doing? I'm just, you know, making pleasantries around the party, waiting for when we're going to make our move and take these items. Mm -hmm. Well, while you're waiting, you're next to uh, the the silent uh, uh, Goliath who just nods at you. And I nod back. He puts out his hand. I do the same. He grips it, gives it you a firm handshake. <laughs> I just shake it back. I don't know what to do. Just stare at him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he, you, you feel like you've made a deep friend and you don't know how and he gives you a tiny book <laughs> have a look at the book in the inside the book is uh basically imagine like a thesis written by plato or aristotle it seems like this man is a philosopher and it go it says like uh the metal of east and uh metal being the other metal not actual ore metal so m-e-t-t-l-e so, uh, if, if you ever want to read it, it's a chance to know a little bit more about who he is or where he's from. But you, you're familiar with Ispikast. It's one of uh, the countries that has a throne. And basically, like uh, one of the lines says, uh, Say unto thine own heart, I am my own redeemer. And he points to it and looks at, uh, like points at you, but gives you a nod. Yes, this land has need of much redemption and gives you not all right and uh we'll move on to dust you uh you shatter the chains for the manacles what do you do damn i was hoping it was gonna break the um iron bars for the cell first okay oh i'm sorry i misunderstood like i thought you're doing it for the chain well i would assume like one of them might break first it like it doesn't matter but the goal was to um weaken up the iron bar so we could get out no if that if that's the case i'm gonna say like you actually free a few prisoners by uh, trying this out and uh i'm gonna say that you uh help out with your talents as well basically weaken up the metal and you make this process go by really really fast um 
again, an hour with all of them working together, I'm going to say that you have enough to actually, like, open up the, like, doors and you're able to release, like, the felons. And I'm assuming the guy who we froze his ankles can't move? I was going to mention that if you left. He just looks at you. I am going to look at him and be like, why were you spying on us? I wasn't spying on you. I saw you and I wanted nothing to do with you. You made me part of your business. Why'd you act so hastily and run away at the clear sight of us? His orders from the boss, Roy. He wanted to know any information about you guys after we lost one of our own. And he looks at you. He is right to do so. I mean, look what you did to a man running away from you. Well, I'm sure since you've been in here, you don't know what he did to my orphanage. No, just explain that to him off camera. Well, seeing as you can't move, let me help you out. And we'll talk a little bit about Roy. Because if he's not going to help you out, I'll help you out. So, you help him out. And you lift him on your uh, your shoulders and stuff. And he can't hobble. So, basically, he's doing, like, a you know, the childish, you know, round-the-neck kind of hug. And uh, you begin to uh, hobble out. And you, you hear him say, what the fuck? And he looks down and says, has the blighted slums always been that flooded? And you look down to your left and you see, yes. The blighted slums is raising fast. Faster than normal flood seasons? Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not, again, it's not like rising right now at a rapid pace. I'm saying like, every time you check on it, it seems to be raising, raising higher and higher. It's getting towards uh, the second, like uh, the first level planks that you guys saw when you went into uh, the blighted slums. And after that, there is one more set of planks in case, you know, it floods that. So with two levels, uh, the ground level up to the first level is flooded. So I noticed something's definitely wrong. Maybe a perception check. Apparently I don't. Uh, what is it? Eight. Eight? No. I think you might hear something on the wind, but you can't really make it out. So what's your plan? Well, I am going to take him to... Are there any taverns around? Uh, yes. Uh, the closest one would be, uh, well... Not exactly a straight tavern, but the closest one would be the Hobblejack. That's in the Blighted Slums. I'm not um, trying to cross the bridge. Uh, there is no inns for uh, the Jade Hills. Uh, they have fancy like uh, inns around the entrance to uh, the port, but for the Jade Hills, it's purely made of states. Usually, like if your guess is if a person is important enough, they could you know like uh, sleep in one of the spare bedrooms in one of the states. But if not, they sleep in Blighted Slums. Is there anywhere I can take you where you would feel safe and that we can meet again? He uh, tells you, drop me by the trap house. The one that burned down. <laughs> so I'll walk him over there and drop him off and look at him into his eyes and be, I will see you again, correct? I do have more questions. Might, might not. Depends how much you make me wait. But there's nowhere I can go with these. And he looks down at his ankles. Luckily enough, I might come across a... Uh, Maybe Numbtongue. Yeah. We'll see how good my luck is. And tell me, I never caught your name. He just goes, uh, my name's Kilgore. I'm gonna insight check that. Right at? What is it? I am going to... It's an 11, but I'm going to roll. Uh, D6. Yep. It is a 14. Um, he lied. That is not his name. And he see like sees you scrunch up your eyebrows a bit, and he goes, Broke my ankles. I did break your ankles, but now you're out of prison. Your boss didn't help you out. I did. People make mistakes. So, 
why don't you just tell me your real name? He takes in a deep breath, and he says, They call me Cal. Well, Cal, I hope you find your numb tongue. Once I'm done with my business, if you're still here, alive, I'll try to bring you some. Thank you. And he just looks down. Do you head off to the estate? Not up the ramp. Okay, so not the trail on like a, the, yeah, you're not following the trail. Gotcha. I gotta avoid the guards. <laughs> and we can have a montage of you uh, running to the Coliseum, grabbing your stuff, do uh, donning on your equipment. And if you want, it's a steep incline, but they have walls right here. I'm gonna look for guard presence on the uh, walls. Uh, you get up to the walls and you see like a two guards uh, doing like a patrol, looking outward, make sure no one jumps the wall. But again, it's for each section of the wall. So two guards here uh, for right there, then uh, two guards here, two guards here, so on and so forth. You see like each stretch, there is two guards. So if I had to do the singular like wall facing you, probably be about six to eight guards in total from uh, uh, like a, what the hell would you call it? If you looked at the state from the gates, uh, the stage right, the entire wall has eight guards on that side. All of them, Crimson Fists. Do I notice that? Do I notice any red markings on their gauntlets or anything to give it away, like faded? Uh, do a perception check. No, you notice guards. Well, I am going to... I am going to psychic whispers into one of their heads. Okay. And I am going to make it sound like a distant echo being like there's trouble at the front gate. Mm. Do a deception check and okay. a 17 okay that works then uh so you uh you basically do psychic whisper like there's commotion up near the gate and uh you see him but oh what guard specifically like uh tell me where you are near the wall so i can describe the situation better and i'm gonna be going for the farthest one away from the from the front gate so hopefully the rest of them see him running and join in okay so, just to put this in perspective, you are at the crux. This uh, this blue block right here is a guard tower, you know, so uh, like uh, archers could shoot. Uh, with that in mind, there's a guard tower and two walls. You are on the right-hand side of uh, this uh, guard tower, stage right. And uh, on the right-hand side of the wall from uh, the guard tower, there's two guards making a patrol, like right above you. Then far, 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 far to your stage right, uh, there is two more guards. Now, if you want, you can sneak over quickly, you know, and just do a psychic whisper on that guy to run, make a commotion. Um, if that's the case, God, I, I want it to happen because it's just real cool, sounds awesome. And you got the first guy to believe it. Um, but I still want to check for the other guys to believe it too. You know, yeah. You know what? Since it was such a high roll, like it was 17, and he's like a running away, and he feels the need to run past them, which was the goal of doing that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say that he's gonna try to encourage them to follow along. So, persuasion then? Yes, but you also have to take into account whether or not these guards would be dealing with this in mass if they would feel it's something that one guy can just go check out or if they, it's all needed, there hasn't been a commotion that they've heard. And if he's running past them, they're technically closer. So that would mean also, how did he hear it and not them if they're closer? Tell you what. All right. Uh, yeah, with that kind of logic, 
I would say that he's probably just going to make a persuasion check at uh, disadvantage if he succeeds. I'll say, like, uh, they follow. If not, the only he's going to leave, which would be three out of the four guards. Um, and I'm going to say the DC is more likely 12. I feel like 12 is a good number. And he definitely failed with a five and a nat 20. <laughs> but since it's disadvantage, he goes with the five. Uh, he... Yeah, so just to animate it, and you can tell me if you want to do anything else afterwards. You, like, do Psychic Whisper, and we hear, like, uh, in his mind, as we do a close-up of his face, like, his ears twitch as uh, we hear the sounds of battle, like, uh, swords clang and people screaming, and he's like, oh, fuck, and runs past, like, uh, starts running on the, like, top wall, and you see, like, the other guards, like, look at him confused, and he goes, there's a fight! There's a fight near the gate! Go! 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 And he starts running. And you see them just look at each other and go, no, there's no fight. We didn't hear anything. And like one of them goes, why the hell are you? You're farther away. And you see him like push past as he's running to the front gate. Uh, what do you do, Dust? Well, with the farthest um, guard gone, I'm going to you know, try to stealthily scale the wall and sneak in. All right. Uh, just make me a stealth check since you have a climb. 21. Yeah, no yeah, no roll that I'll make will be able to catch it because I'm not giving them a modifier for um, uh, doing that. I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, no, you you did you did good. Like uh, you you slink into the shadows as you uh, climb along. We see like again a side shot of you like uh, going into the grooves of the brick as you uh, start climbing upward. And once you get up there, you do a quick leap from one edge to the other. It's like a five foot leap. Then you start like climbing down again, unseen. And you see the guards like shaking, like <laughs> the guard that you tricked and going, you're crazy, man, you're crazy. As you uh, uh, start going down and you go into a flower bed. Make me a dexterity check. Nine. Or, yeah, I meant to say saving throw, but it should be the same thing. Oh, no, um, my dex saving throw is yeah. better. So, okay. yeah. 11. Yeah, 11. Okay, so uh, you uh, go down and... Uh... Ah, lucky bastard. You feel a uh, heat on your ass as uh, you realize that you stepped into a orchid of uh, uh, fire apples. Basically, it's just apple or fire made into an apple that grows on this uh, plant. And you sit on it as your, well, your ass touches it as you go down and it licks you. Licks you. Um, you quickly pat it out and walk away. Now you are in the flora. This is very uh, strange. It seems like they get their plants from far away places. Just for a good scene for us to cut off, yeah. I'm going to be scaling the building looking for a skylight okay. into the ball. All right. So uh, you uh, climb up and uh, we see you on top of the roof looking for a skylight. Cobalt, are you doing anything else? Uh, well, there's still no sign of uh, of uh, Dusty Kitty and, and probably maybe by this point he tried all the food. So you know what? Uh, Cobalt's going to do the other thing that as what I told him to do, he's just going to like wander down and just uh, check on the uh, uh, the security close to the magic items, I guess. <laughs> you do that, and you see uh, what's his name? You see uh, Jacked uh, walking along, but how he's uh, moving along is uh, as a guard passes, he like slinks past them, and he starts walking and walking along. Then he sees you, then smiles and goes up to you and goes. Uh, Cobalt, well, what are you doing around here? Try, oh. Cobalt, pretty try all food in party. So Cobalt, do 
Like what? Metal Man tell Cobalt to, uh, in one moment, look at security down here. Jet Kitty silence very troubling to Cobalt. And he goes, well, they're doing pretty awful. And trying to test them out a little bit, see if I can sneak past. I was able to make it past two of them, but one of them did catch me. And he just scratches chin a little bit and goes, uh, bulky frames, am I right? Cobalt, hey. Just kind of like gestures at his own body. <laughs> mm, yeah, you do have a tiny frame. And he goes, um, Cobalt, you know, this is going to be a pretty important mission here. What what does Asmodai have you doing? Why would he want you checking the security? Mm. Don't worry, you can tell, friend. And he smiles at you. But Cobalt, not very sure. Uh, metal men have lots of very complicated conversations. But Metal Man think, or Cobalt think Metal Man make deal? Charge <laughs> of security. And he nods his head. Interesting to know. Well, how about we get back to the party? There's something uh, I want to show you. And he pats you on the back and leads you back to the ball. So I just start skipping along because, like, so far, so far, Jack has only shown uh, Cobalt nice things. So, yep. Besides calling you a dog. Um, he let that one go. <laughs> yeah, he let that one go. Uh, he, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. <laughs> uh, Asmodai, if you're ready, uh, what did you uh, uh, intend for again? Uh, I wanted to. You know, in the midst of mingling, because I am doing my best to try and introduce myself to as many people as possible, mm. um, making contacts and networking with all the very influential and powerful people in the room, and eventually I'm going to make my way over the dude from the Delius Dynasty. Uh, you uh, see him uh, going around, and uh, he is filling up, and he goes, uh, he, you catch him eating like unhinging his jaw and like eating like a big like turkey or some shit in one gulp and he finishes up with like a like a tongue waggle and he looks at you and goes uh why hello how's it going asthma die i see that the head of security sees fit to talk to me oh diamond and fallon have talked much about you come come talk no oh, well, that saves me the time of introductions uh, it is a pleasure to meet you, your lordship. Manners, good manners, good manners! And he begins to, like, chuckle a bit and goes, Yeah, but uh, call me more of a merchant. Maybe a merchant king, but merchant nonetheless. Of course, sir. And I just, uh, before you begin, I want to give you a little bit of gravity of the person you're talking to. This uh, person, he is the king of uh, Thubarn. And that kingdom does have a throne. Though weirdly enough, he does not sit on it. A merchant is probably appropriate because uh, I heard it said that you have been doing lots of business in the area. He goes, oh, why yes, why yes. I, I do a lot of business around. You know how it is. Make contacts, become more powerful, more people backing you up. That is the way business should be and always will be. I, I nod, very understanding, and you know, and smile and go. What I mean, if you don't mind my asking, who do you work with? Maybe we have mutual friends and contacts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want, yeah, I, I just want you to uh, just write down that you had this conversation for contacts from Delius. 
and we're going to hand wave it a little bit, but we'll bring it to light when it does come into fruition in the future, assuming you're alive. But we see like a silent conversation with, uh, we uh, see a silent conversation with uh, Asmodai and uh, this uh, snake man. Then in the background, we see Leo, like, again, with one of these pouches I gave to uh, uh, Delius. He sees another one of these pa uh, pouches as he sneaks it into coat rack, and we cut to black from that. This has been House Common Blood. The intro music by White Sand, Promise, and the outro music by Darren Curtis, Time's Up. Any music and sound effects used in this episode are royalty-free. Credits can be found in the episode description. Please review us on whatever podcast listening app you are happen to be using. And if you like us, tell other people. Word by mouth is the best way for us to grow. Thank you for joining us. That check better be in the mail. <laughs>